da 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 presenting the Bob Hope Show. This is episode number 532, which originally aired on April 29th, 1952. Here now is Bob Hope with his special guest, William Holden. Today, over a million cigarette stores from coast to coast are featuring Chesterfield, the only cigarette that names all its ingredients, the cigarette that's much milder, with an extraordinarily good taste, and most important, no unpleasant aftertaste. Folks, a big hello. We're here to start the Bob Hope Show. To get your cakes, enjoy the fun. Light up a Chesterfield, everyone. Sound off for Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Today. Chesterfield presents the Bob Hope Show. Transcribed from Hollywood, California. With Les Brown and his band of renown. For Chesterfield's yours truly, Hi Aberback. Our special guests, William Holden, Jack Kirkwood, and the Bell Sisters. And here he is, Bob Hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Here I am back in Hollywood for Chesterfield. I just got back from a little trip to Hawaii, and I had a marvelous time. I didn't intend to go to Hawaii. They got such a complicated flood control system here in California now that every time I try to cross the gutter on Vine Street, I wind up in Honolulu. <laughs> Thank you, pedestrians. Thank you. I'm lucky to be back, though. My pilot was a Hawaiian, and when we flew in over the harbor, he wanted to... <laughs> My father was a Hawaiian. <laughs> How'd I get trapped into that? <laughs> was a Hawaiian. Did you ever try to say that? That's pretty tough. I'm glad to be back, though. My pilot was an Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> and when we flew in over the harbor, he wanted to dive for pennies. <laughs> The islands are really breathtaking. Beautiful girls in hula skirts silhouetted against the blue Pacific, the tall palm trees swaying in the tropical breeze, and all the natives in their colorful costumes. I would have written a poem, but the chief jumped up and his native tongue yelled, I like Ike. <laughs> I... And they held a luau in my honor. A luau, that's a Hawaiian expression meaning as the sun sinks in the west, we say aloha to our stomachs. <laughs> oh, boy I was lying on <laughs> I was lying on the beach All covered with sand With just my head sticking out And a lady tourist from Iowa Fell it and said Get a hammer, Henry And then we'll see if there's milk in this one <laughs> And that hula dance is really exciting they say that in the hula, every movement has a message. I don't know if that's true, but it sure made it tough for Western Union. <laughs> and those Polynesians over there are such wonderful, simple people. They think if they lead a good life when they die, they'll go on the Arthur Godfrey program. <laughs> <laughs> you 
While I was in Hawaii, I scouted around for a good location spot for the new road picture, The Road to Bali. The scenery in Hawaii is perfect, and after the picture's released, it'll make a good hideout. <laughs> you gotta think, you know. <laughs> Thing is in the picture, not only because the producer made a mistake, he thought it was belly, not Bali. <laughs> You know, from the way I talk, you'd think I didn't like Bing. And I like an audience that thinks. <laughs> Crosby sings in this picture, but Paramount isn't taking any chances. They're going to have Gary standing by in case of a power failure. <laughs> Our cards are on the table. Chesterfield is first to name its ingredients because you should know what gives you the best possible smoke. Chesterfield uses the right combination of the world's best tobaccos, pre-tested by laboratory instruments for the most desirable smoking qualities, and kept tasty and fresh by pure, costly moistening agents. Entirely safe for use in the mouth, as proved by over 40 years of continuous use in tobacco products. And your Chesterfield is wrapped in cigarette paper of the highest purity, the best that money can buy. Remember, the world's best tobaccos, pure, costly moistening agents, the best cigarette paper that money can buy, nothing else. We name our ingredients because you should know what gives you the best possible smoke, a smoke that's much milder with an extraordinarily good taste and, most important, no unpleasant aftertaste. Ask your dealer for Chesterfields. They satisfy millions. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, Bob just spent a week in Hawaii appearing for the servicemen and for the March of Dimes. Bob had just returned from the islands, and I was over at his house helping him unpack. Hey, don't they make nice things over in Hawaii? Hi, look at these beads made out of coral. I got a dozen strings for the girls in the front office of the studio, and I... Got several pairs of cufflinks carved out of coconut shells for the fellas over there. Well, gee, Bob, you brought a lot of stuff for everyone else. Well, why didn't you bring something back for yourself? Well, I wanted to, but I couldn't because of a little technicality in the customs law. It seems you can't bring a grass skirt into the country until you remove the contents. <laughs> I was the only passenger coming down the gangplank whose valise was playing Dreams Come True and Blue Hawaii. <laughs> Give me those seashells high on that native spear. I'm going to put those in the den. Hey, ooh, looks like you did get around over there in the islands, huh? What do you mean? Well, well, this picture here. Bob, you've never had a girl this good looking before. Hi, that's a mask for a witch doctor. <laughs> Besides, my girl's ears aren't half that big since she had them clipped by the vet. <laughs> oh, well, Bob, we've unpacked just about everything. I I've got to run along. I'll see you later. Okay, hi. The nerve of that guy making cracks about my girl's looks. I'm nuts about Charmaine. What a beautiful name that is, Charmaine. Charmaine Finkenstunk. <laughs> Gee, my secretary, Miss Hughes, hasn't seen any of these things I brought back with me. I think I'll call her in. No, I've got a better idea. I'll put on this witch doctor's mask, then I'll open the door and scare her. There. Boo! Oh, oh, you startled me. Mr. Hope isn't here right now. Why don't you sit down and wait for him, Charmaine? <laughs> no No, it's, it's me, Miss Hughes Oh, good 
good, Mr. Hope. Some bills have piled up while you were gone. Here they are. What else? Your agent says he thinks he can get William Holden for your radio show. Well, tell him I'll handle that myself. Bill Holden lives right next door. I can walk over and talk to him. I may make a better deal if I give him one of those ukuleles I brought back from Honolulu. I'll give him this damage one. He'll never notice it. You know, I've taken a couple of lessons. Listen, Miss Hughes. Dreams come true in blue you are in blue you High dramatic, huh? In blue, it would never quit until I see in blue. <laughs> you know, I can have Godfrey here just like that. <laughs> in blue, you are. I spent that night of night. Mm, yes. You're not thinking of taking this up seriously, are you? I think so. Why? Then I better renew your insurance in the Blue Cross plan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Some people just don't appreciate good music. Well, I'd better get over to Bill Holden's house. Gee, this place looks very impressive from out here in front. I've been waiting for Holden to invite me over, but then he's only been here for three or four years. <laughs> Sign says, danger, electric gate, do not touch. 5,000 volts. Oh, I know how to get through those electric gates. I'll just lift the latch with this wooden pencil. <laughs> oh, well, my coat looks more casual without sleeves. Stay with some open gate for you. Oh, good. It's the Japanese gardener. Hmm. Thank you. What's so? Well. <laughs> Gee, your shrubbery looks nice, and that hedge running along the side must be the tallest in North Hollywood. Must be nine or ten feet high. Oh, yes. Uh, very tall. Also, very thick. Very thick, though. Yeah. You oh. bet you. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, God. <laughs> you have more. No, sir. Yeah, yeah. No, sir. Oh, that's my line. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, why? Why did you let it get so tall and, and thick? To keep out stray cats and dogs? Yes, yes. Also, uh, keep out uh, somebody next door named uh, Mr. Hope. <laughs> Mr. Hope, why would the Holdens want to keep him out? Oh, many reasons When uh, Mr. Holden are building house Mr. Hope come over nighttime Steal many bundle shingles <laughs> Well, maybe one or two shingles But I'm sure he didn't take very many Oh, no? Take a look on top of Mr. Holden's house One half of top is redwood and look what we have to use to finish other half. Gee, surplus army blankets. <laughs> I wondered why the whole second story flapped on windy nights. <laughs> well, I've wasted enough time standing here. I better go up and knock on the door. If Holden's peeved at me, it can't be just because we live next door to each other. 
He's making pictures at Paramount, too, and there's bound to be trouble whenever there's two good-looking men at the same studio. <laughs> I'll knock again. Good day, sir. Could I help you? <laughs> this may be the United Nations. <laughs> uh, yes, I have a ukulele here for Mr. Holden. A uka what, sir? <laughs> I'm... A ukulele. Look, I'll show you. Dreams come true in blue Hawaii. Marcus, that's over and over. You've got to feed that cocker spaniel on time. <laughs> What's going on here, anyway? Well, as you know, I'm Bob Hope, and I just got back from Hawaii, so I thought I'd come over and say hello. Hello. No, no. <laughs> Open up. Let me in. I want to talk to you. What do you want? Well, could I come in? Well, I guess so. Come on in. But, but, but Mr. Holden... It's all right, Parkins. The children have all been vaccinated. <laughs> Look, I don't know why you're taking this attitude. I'd feel a lot friendlier toward you if you were a better neighbor. Since I've lived next to you, a lot of things have turned up missing around here. Are you insinuating that I took them? Well, all I know is that last year, most of the fruit on my trees disappeared. Yeah? Well, the birds around here eat a lot of fruit. I know. And according to my wife, you've got the biggest beak in the flock. <laughs> Now, you listen to me. I've got a few complaints against you. Oh, yeah? For instance. Well, for one thing, during that last storm, the rain came right through the roof and leaked into the living room. Well, what about it? Why do you buy such cheap shingles? <laughs> Gee, Bill, don't be sore at me. Let's be friends. Look, I brought you a ukulele all the way from Hawaii. Now, never mind that. Never mind that. And furthermore, I wish you'd quit throwing your trash into my yard. When, when anybody swims in my pool, they have to stay underwater. Every time they come up, they get hit with a flying beer can. <laughs> I guess I haven't been such a good neighbor, but I could turn over a new leaf. Then we could be friends? Well, sure, if you really want to, Bob. Now, by the way, uh, how was your trip to the islands? Well, to tell you the truth, it was a little disappointing. I went over to look after some interests I have over there. Some interests? Yeah. Crosby let me in on the ground floor in a money-making proposition. I traveled 4,000 miles and found out the whole thing was worthless. Gee, I... I didn't know you could go wrong with Crosby. What kind of a deal was it? Well, he sold me a thousand shares in a pineapple mine. <laughs> At first, I couldn't believe that pineapples came from a mine, but Bing was very convincing. He even explained that the hole in the middle of the slices came from blasting. <laughs> well, I gotta go. My agent will call you about being on my show. Oh, by the way, coming in your front gate, I got quite a shock. Oh, yes, the front gate is electric. Uh, why don't you go out the back gate? Right over there. Oh, thanks. That's it. Now just reach in and lift the latch. Oh, 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 get out! I got a little Crosby in me, too. <laughs> a very welcome return of those two talented pablum-eating song wizards, the Bell Sisters, backed by popular requests 
Cynthia and Kay Bell. why you ought to change to Chesterfield today. Chesterfields are milder, much milder, with an extraordinarily good taste and, most important, no unpleasant aftertaste. Yes, sir, you get no unpleasant aftertaste from your Chesterfield because there's nothing unpleasant in your Chesterfield. We use only the right combination of the world's best tobaccos, pure, costly moistening agents, cigarette paper of the highest purity, nothing else. Yes, only Chesterfield names its ingredients. Research tells you that these are the ingredients that give you the best possible smoke. That's confirmed for you by research. Chesterfield Research Laboratories are the best in the business. Our chemists work with outside independent consultants, including scientists from leading universities. And don't forget, folks, that Chesterfield has the newest and most modern of cigarette factories. So figure it out for yourselves. Best factories, best research, best ingredients. All this to make Chesterfield the best possible smoke. Ask your dealer for Chesterfield today. Go down to your dealer's hurry run And ask him for the milder one Much milder with a better taste And no unpleasant aftertaste Sound off For Chesterfield Sound off For Chesterfield Try a pack of Chesterfields Do it Today Ladies and gentlemen, on your local movie screens, you are currently seeing a fine racetrack story called Boots Malone, starring William Holden.
Tonight, we present another saga of the racetrack titled Winner Take All, again starring William Holden, assisted by Bob Hope, the Lawrence Olivier of the $2 window. <laughs> Steady high, no ad-libbing. Don't be independent just because you got a job lined up for the summer. Lather boy at the Turkish bath. <laughs> just read the announcement. Give them some music, Les. We take you now to the racetrack. Not the grandstand where the banners are flying, but back to the barns and the stables where the real life of the track is carried on. Our central character is a man who makes his living as a jockey's agent. That's me. My name is Feedbag McCoy. <laughs> I'm a jockey's agent. Right now, I'm in a bad run of luck. I'm so broke that lately I've been sneaking into the stables and eating the oats. I guess I've been eating too many oats. Now, no matter where a fly lights on me, I don't have to move. I can twitch him off. <laughs> Gee, if I could only find a jockey, a good jockey. Oh, excuse me. Are you Feedbag McCoy? That's right. Did you put this ad in the paper? Wanted someone who knows how to win a race against big-time competition? Yeah. You a jockey? Jockey? Well, I thought you wanted a running mate for Kefauver. <laughs> Go on, get out of here. Just a second, Feedbag. This guy might be just the one we need. Yeah. Hey, you. Uh, do you think you could get down to 97 pounds by Thursday? 97? Sure. How much do you weigh now? 212. <laughs> How can you take off 115 pounds in two days? Haven't you heard of Rye Crisp? McCoy, now that I look at this guy, he might be a spy from one of the other stables. Me? Yeah. If you haven't done any riding, where'd you get those bow legs? Well, I used to be a tree surgeon and I didn't have a ladder. <laughs> okay, kid, you're hired. Put your suitcase in that bunk over there. That's how I met the famous feedback McCoy and became a jockey. McCoy wanted me to start from the bottom, so he made me work in the stables, live in the stables, and sleep in the stables. But he fed me pretty well. Every day I had two chlorophyll sandwiches and a large glass of stopettes. <laughs> it was coming up to the big race, and I had to get in condition, so McCoy sent me over to the jockey's exercise room. All I could see in the room was a man standing on his head. I walked over to him and said, Hey, what's the idea of standing on your head? Prevents fallen arches, boy. <laughs> Kirkland, no. Well, I gotta get in shape I'm gonna ride in the big race Saturday Aren't you a little chubby for that sort of thing? Well, I guess I would have to take off a few pounds to be a jockey You'd have to take off a few pounds to be a horse <laughs> Are you the athletic trainer? That's right, son And I called you, son, because it's shining through that hole in your head <laughs> I'm ready to start What do I do first? Well, you can't exercise in all those clothes You mind if I take off your shirt? <laughs> no, I guess not <laughs> Gee, this is a nice place you got here Oh, this is the most up-to-date gymnasium in America, boy We've even got parallel bars Yeah, but all gymnasiums have parallel bars 
One for scotch and one for bourbon? <laughs> now, first, I'll hold this stethoscope to your chest. Breathe in. Okay. Breathe out. That's fine. Congratulations. For what? Well, you'll know in the morning. I'm a spy for your draft board. <laughs> uh, now, remember, I'm very particular who I train. You have to pass a difficult entrance examination. You must answer all these questions. First, do you have muscular reflex coordination? No. Do you have 20-20 vision? No. Have you supernormal reflexes? Have you above average hearing? Have you first-class stamina? No, no, Have you got no. ten bucks? Yes. Shake hands, boy, you made the grade. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was the day of the big race. I figured I'd win the handicap because I had the horse for the best breeding. Cherry Coke. Cherry Coke. He was out of fizz water by large burp. <laughs> A big crowd had turned out for the handicap. I was proud as I rode into the paddock. I'd been a poor kid all my life, and here I was dressed in jockey silks. Silk cap, silk shirt, silk pants, and underneath burlap shorts. <laughs> Feedbag McCoy came over to me and said, I got $10,000 bet in this race. If we win, we'll be rich. I'll do my best to make the horse go fast, sir. Oh, he'll go fast. I've got electric batteries under the saddle. I fed the horse a bucket of Benzedrine, and instead of a whip, I want you to use this ice pick. <laughs> this would sound very suspicious, sir, if I did not know that you were honest. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, good luck, kid. I'll be waiting at the finish line. This race will start any second, folks. They're all lined up. My horse was the first one out of the starting gate. In no time at all, I had circled the track and was back in the starting gate. Get up, boy! We were going past the grandstand for the first time. My horse was running on three legs. I could never break him of the habit of waving bye-bye to the crowd. <laughs> the horses are going down the straightaway. They're really moving. Come on, Cherry Coke. You gotta win. Keep going. Look, Cherry Coke is going around the first turn. Yeah, and Hope's nose is going around the second turn. <laughs> Gee, Cherry Coke, we're a hundred lengths ahead and we're going to win. We're going to win the big handicap. Gee, only a few yards to go. <laughs> what happened? Somebody shot my horse. That's right, boy, I did. But Cherry Coke almost had that race won. We'd have been rich. Yeah, but why did you do it? I couldn't let you win, boy. If you'd won, you'd have got ambitious. You'd want to be the greatest jockey in the world. And that's all so <laughs> foolish because you're not going to be a jockey. Why not? I forgot to tell you. I'm also president of your draft board. <laughs> I give up. All thanks for the memory of April set aside for a drive that's nationwide To help ensure a cancer cure Your help might turn the tide And we thank you so much Last summer I went out to Kansas And I stumbled onto the dab-gumdest thing in my life I've had thrills in my day But few to equal this one They have a place out there called The Institute of Logopedics A fabulous place where they train little boys and girls With speech or hearing defects I saw youngsters with cleft palates, 
cerebral palsy, stuttering in all type of speech defects. But most interesting to me were the one whose speech had been wiped out either early or late in life by damage to their brain. There are veterans from our wars and many other accident cases who could once talk like you and me. Then suddenly, the accident or a shell bursting in the air. They can't even yell for help. Speechless within seconds. Unbelievable? No, it could happen to any of us. There are about seven million people in this country of ours with speech or hearing defects of some kind. This is a very new scientific field affecting all of us who talk. Thousands of volunteers are working to correct misunderstandings and inform the public that these youngsters can be helped. They have formed a national auxiliary of the Institute of Logopedics with annual memberships of a dollar a year. You too can help. Please join this auxiliary by sending your dollar with your name and address to Nail Box 2000, Wichita, Kansas. Nail Box 2000, Wichita, Kansas. With this dollar, you'll help a child say thank you tomorrow. Do it today. Good night. That's all for tonight, folks. Remember, Chesterfields are much milder, with an extraordinarily good taste and, most important, no unpleasant aftertaste. Sound off for Chesterfield. Ask your dealer for Chesterfields today. Be sure to listen to the Bob Hope Show next week from Camp Cook, California, with our special guests, Vera Bague, Jerry Colonna, and Joanne Greer. William Holden will soon be seen in the Paramount picture, The Turning Point. Chesterfield is brought to you the Bob Hope Show, written by Marvin Fisher, Norman Sullivan, and Larry Klein, and transcribed direct from Hollywood, California. And now stay tuned for Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator on NBC. William Franklin Beadle Jr. was born in 1918. William Holden went from unknown to leading man when he was only 20 years old. He was discovered by a talent scout named Harold Winston, who told him to change his last name to Holden. Now, the reason that Winston chose the last name Holden was because he was still in love with his ex-wife and her last name was Holden. So, William Holden got a stage name and the lead in the 1938 film Golden Boy opposite Barbara Stanwyck. During his first few years in the movies, he played a number of roles from westerns to romantic comedies to film noir, alongside such greats as George Raft, Humphrey Bogart, Lucille Ball, Robert Mitchum, Loretta Young, Gene Arthur, and Glenn Ford. During World War II, Holden was a lieutenant in the Army Air Corps, making training films. The role that thrust him into major stardom was in 1950, when he starred opposite Gloria Swanson in the Billy Wilder-directed film Sunset Boulevard, in which he played a down-and-out screenwriter taken in by a faded silent film actress. I just watched that film recently. Highly recommend it. Rather dark, but I can see why it was such a big hit for Holden. In 1953, he hit it big again with another Billy Wilder film, Stalag 17. Holden won an Oscar for Best Actor in that film, and that's another one I've seen recently. I highly recommend that one as well. 
A year later, he struck gold again with another film directed by Billy Wilder, Sabrina, opposite Humphrey Bogart and Audrey Hepburn, with whom he had a romantic fling during the film. And that also is an excellent movie. And then in 1954, the same year, he was in The Country Girl with Bing Crosby and Grace Kelly, another great movie. Then in 1957, he starred with Alec Guinness in what is probably Holden's best-known role in The Bridge on the River Kwai, another very dark film, uh, an, an ending, if you haven't seen it, that is surprising, um, but it is well-made. Uh, Alec Guinness and William Holden both give tremendous performances, another film I really highly recommend. On a personal note, Holden was best man at Ronald Reagan's wedding to Nancy in 1952, and he was lifelong friends with Reagan. He was named one of the top 10 stars of the year six times, from 1954 to 1958, then again in 1961. And he appeared as number 25 on the American Film Institute's list of the 25 greatest male stars of classic Hollywood cinema. Holden struggled with alcohol for decades, and it is believed that he died as a result of a fall in his apartment while drunk, seriously hitting his head and bleeding to death. William Holden died in 1981. He was 63. Please send your questions and comments to host at classiccomedyotr.com. Come back next Wednesday for another episode of The Bob Hope Show and check in on Friday for the next installment of The Life of Riley. Until we meet again, in the words of Ludwig Wittgenstein, Never stay up on the barren heights of cleverness, but come down into the green valleys of silliness. <laughs>